Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Darren Cooney and today I'm joined by my good friend and colleague Gavin Berry. On the pod today we're going to assess Celtic's performance as he's booked by Munich in a pulsating Halloween thriller. We're also going to examine Celtic's Academy production line with an in-depth look at Kieran Tierney. And, now that the hoops are officially eliminated from the big boys' playground of the Champions League, we're going to ask if they can flourish in the less competitive habitat of the Europa League. So, Gavin, you were at Celtic Park last night. It sounded, I'm afraid I was just in the office, so I could only hear it on the TV, but the atmosphere sounded incredible. Maybe one of the best yet? It was down yet, and it was a great atmosphere. I think that was the important thing, was that the team produced a performance that the, the... you know, allowed that kind of atmosphere to be created because you look at the PSG game where they just turned up PSG and, and, and killed it, sort of, you know, kill, killed that stone dead. They need, you know, they need a bit of optimism. They need to see something from the team. And the way Celtic performed, um, you know, despite the defeat, made, made for a kind of good, made for a good occasion. And at least the fans went home appreciating the efforts. They weren't picking holes in the performance like the PSG game where everybody was saying, well, could they have done more? I think everyone accepted that the players had given their all and that when you're coming up against teams of that calibre, that class, then, you know, the chances are you're going to get beat. Yeah, I mean, that, that wall of noise is, was, was kind of erected for the whole 90 minutes. Yeah. It, it, you're right, it's similar to the Man City game. Celtic Park last season where they had such a good start yeah. it just got everyone up and yeah. even the miss by McGregor sorry by Armstrong yeah. and then the concession of the first goal it didn't dampen anyone's it mood didn't. And I mean you look back at that Armstrong chance and that, you do obviously everybody is praising Celtic for the performance because they did play so well and they ran Bayern Munich so close and we know how much Bayern Munich um, have spent we know how difficult a task it is but you can't help you know, after the initial response of saying, you know, how well they played and how close it was, you, you can't help but go back over and say, well, what if, you know, what if, if Stuart Armstrong scores after only five minutes and let's face it, he should have scored, they should have done so much better, a great ball by James Forrest, you know, you just wonder how different it might have been. And then Bayern Munich's goal is, you know, so cheaply conceded with Dedrick Boyata misjudging that just that long ball up, and then whether Craig Gordon should have, you know, charged out the way he did is debatable as well. And then even the winning goal, it's too simple, isn't it? Just a ball over and then a header, um, and it's but it just shows you at that level, you know, the fine lines. I know it's like a cliche, but how hard you have to work to get anything from these teams because let's. Let's face it, that was a Bayern Munich team that was under strength, you know, yeah. no Lewandowski, yeah. no Müller. So, speaking to a few German journalists, even in the press room before the game, when they were looking at the team sheet, they were saying, this Bayern Munich team is here for the taking, you know. Did, did, you, get, did you get a word with the German 
journalists afterwards? Was there any kind of insight in what they thought of Celtic's performance? No, I never, unfortunately, never got the chance. Spoke to uh, Aaron Robin, who was very, you know, complimentary on uh, the way Celtic played. But I suppose it's easy, isn't it, when you've come and you've won the game, you know, for um, opposition players to say, oh, you know, they were great, but when you've won the game. What Celtic need now is to make sure that Bayern Munich don't let their standards drop uh, when they play Anderlecht next, because although you, you have, you know, Celtic are strong favourites after the win over Anderlecht in Brussels to get third place in that Europa League uh, knockout spot, if Bayern Munich were to slip up against Anderlecht uh, in Brussels in the, the next game, because you don't expect Celtic to get anything against PSG over in Paris, that would then make it something to play for in the last game. Yeah, sure. Celtic having to beat Anderlecht, and you don't want that scenario. Sure. Well, let, let's come on to Europa League mm-hmm. uh, point of conversation later. But first of all, return to that first goal. Mm-hmm. How much... I mean, Craig Gordon's getting in the neck quite a bit, yeah. but most of the culpability is being directed at Boyata. What, what's your take on it? Is it a, a 50-50 split or...? No, I think it's Boyata, and I think I mean if you read Craig Gordon this morning, he's certainly not uh, taking any blame for it. Although there have been many instances, he never does. No, that's what I was going to say. There have been many instances where where he where he really holds his hands up, even ones that you think are obvious, and you think he's going to come out here and take full responsibility. But uh, you know, he said it was Boyata. I think he might even have said that the manager said at half time. I think that his positioning was okay, and I tend to agree with him. It is you know it is Boyata to blame, I don't know what he's thinking, Celtic were hoping to press Bayern for Bayern to knock it long, they did that in that situation, the keeper's long punt and you think they should just be dealing with that, it should just be. But but the only thing you could maybe say about Gordon was he just too quick, he was yeah. screaming out Possibly. of that box, Yeah, yeah. although in, in the flip side of that, in his defence, it doesn't help having his back, his centre-backs chopping and changing all the time no. it doesn't get a mis- a, an understanding yeah and he should have shouted yeah no true and maybe maybe the other criticism is I think he actually said that he didn't shout did he he didn't give a shout probably because he thought it was just going to be such a, a routine you know clearance yeah. you know routine header and there was so much made of uh, Lewandowski being injured before the game you just wonder whether maybe it would have been different I think maybe who was it? Was it was it Coleman that got in, uh, in yeah, behind him? Yeah, yeah, playing as that kind of false nine. You just wonder if that was actually what worked against him in that occasion. You know, whether if you're a big target man, he would have there'd have been no danger of him not going for it. Yeah, and and with the other goal, I mean, as you see, it's it's almost a great irony that Celtics, the goals that they conceded were really goals that they should never let they in. It um, wasn't great artistry from, from no, the Germans. No, it wasn't. And Beaton, obviously, I mean, he was outjumped, wasn't he, by Martinez, who showed great bravery to get on the end of the cross. Um, but Beaton, I thought, he, he actually did play well. Consid- did, considering he, yeah. before the game, Boyata was the one saying, I talk Beaton through the, the playing the position of centre-half because obviously it's not his natural position and he hadn't played there in Europe, remember, since they lost four against Astana when he got so much criticism. Yeah, Boyata saying, well, I talk Beaton through these games. Um, Boyata then makes the mistake, but Beaton, that aside, I thought played well considering it's not his position, especially at that level yeah. because that was the assumption was that he can do it domestically but the Brendan Rodgers wouldn't play him there again but he was forced to do it because of Gamboa's performance at right back in the away game against Bayern Munich, he had no real alternative other than to try beat on there, and I thought he did well apart from that. He, he did, and without taking too much away from him, 
he didn't. He wasn't up against an out-and-out striker. They were more withdrawn. Yeah. He had the game in front of him, but but he still he, he performed well. Yeah. And moving on to other star performers, mm-hmm. I mean, we all know who who really really shone. But Kieran Tierney, a, a seven in the the ratings last night from our colleague Scott McDermott. Well, would you be more generous? Yeah, right next to me. Yeah, I probably would. I'd maybe I'll bump him up one. Yeah, I'd maybe I'll bump him up one. Yeah, yeah. I know Scott is hard to please, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did say in his defence that a seven is a really good game, an eight in his exceptional performance. Right, so I don't okay. know if that's. And James Forrest got an eight. No, he did well because I mean you're up against Arian Robin, but I think when we were chatting in the office earlier, when we were saying we just wonder how much, you know, Robin was when their work's kind of done. You know, how much is he going to want? Are we kind of Twenty-year-old, you know, snarling and snapping. His yeah. How much is he going to be up for it? If, if there was more, much more at stake, you know, for Bayern, then it might have been a, might have been a different story. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, the were I mean, Tierney gave him a couple of wallops mm-hmm. at the start and just said, yeah. well, "I'm, I'm on you today, tonight." So that that may have warded him off a little bit. Uh, who else? Who else? Well, I think really James Forrest is the one that stands out, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, he was the one because he must have been frustrated. Patrick Roberts comes in in the summer, he starts all three of the Champions League games before last night. James Forrest didn't only come off the bench, uh, coming off 70, uh, 12 minutes, I think he got in each, all three of the games. So he would have been frustra- frustrated. The injury then comes to Patrick Roberts the weekend. He gets his chance and by God did he take it yeah. I mean he certainly he really stood out and I mean, that's the thing with James Forrest you know when you look back over his Celtic career he's still only 26 but you know he feels as if he's been around forever it's incredible he's been that, yeah. you know, plagued by injuries and you just you know but last night is what everyone you know knows that he can produce you know yeah. Neil Lennon said at the time when he came through this is the best kid I've ever worked with Ronnie Dyler said this is a guy who's worth 10 million pounds I mean, you, you think of it last night, you know, James Rodriguez, he's uh, almost the same age. James Forrest is only five, right. I think he's five days old on them. There's a guy that's gone for £60 million to Real Madrid at the time. Bayern Munich were looking to him for big things. Never produced anything like what James Forrest did on the opposite yeah, side. Yeah. So it just goes to show how well he did. And then, of course, Callum McGregor as well. Yeah. Another of the homegrown guys. That's, that, that was another thing that would have been so pleasing Uh for Brendan Rodgers, you know, three of the guys that have come through the system, all young. Uh, I don't know if Gordon Strachan's listening to this, but they were all under, what, five foot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. We, uh, we've was... done a wee bit of stats on the website, and Celtic have played the most homegrown players out of all the British clubs in the Champions League. They have played more than Tottenham, mm-hmm. Manchester City, Chelsea... The same number as Manchester United, yet given more minutes to the homegrown players. So when you factor in Anthony Ralston, yeah. you know you've got four, four real special talents there. Yeah, and it's interesting what you're saying about Forrest because Forrest has been around so long. I mean, Harry Redknapp wanted to bring him to Spurs, and mm. it seemed like almost another a different player. It was that long ago, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, you know. I, I suppose the other thing you just go back to your stat there. I suppose one thing you'd, you'd have to say is that Celtic are forced probably more than these other teams to play youngsters because they don't have the money do they to go out and spend in the way that well you know but, you, you but like that argument would be would probably be beaten when you consider the other clubs in the Champions League on the continent like Atletico Madrid yeah. have played for uh, CSKA who have greater wealth although not as big a name in Europe mm-hmm. think of Celtic so there are a lot but, but yeah but 
that's a point you make and it's quite interesting it kind of echoes what Brendan Rodgers was saying in a talk sport interview earlier this week when he was extolling how much he loved being at Celtic and how much he loved developing players the fact that he was afforded a wee bit of breathing space to play these homegrown players something that you can't enjoy down south because you're only ever a few games oh, away from the south. Well, we see it last night who uh, Simon Grayson binned, I mean, he, even that seemed in Sunderland I mean he, he's, he's binned just as well I know, I, I thought I've gone off topic here but just as well Derek McInnes didn't take that job uh, obviously yeah. saw that one coming but yeah I mean that, that's the problem down there you don't well he's he's been there he knows exactly you know what it's like you know it was, it was that Stephen Gerrard slip away from winning the Premier League and then however many months what 15 months later he's out the door yeah. so you don't get that time there and that's why he is loving to hear he can you know put his stamp on the whole club and and, and that's his background isn't it with, the, with uh, Chelsea he loves young players and he seems to have a great affection for well, all his players, but Kieran Tierney especially. Yeah, you can see why he would because I mean, Kieran Tierney just such a apart from his uh, his quality, uh, obviously his passion for the club. You know, it's like a we, we saw the video footage of him getting the Nakamura boots when he was a wee kid. Yeah. He was a ball boy, Celtic fan. You know, the passion, but just so level-headed. You know, when you think of the moves and the kind of price tag that's been put on his head. Uh, just so level-headed and uh, I think that's great to see when, when you speak to players and there's just no change in them at all I think that's great because we've seen it so so often with youngsters you know over the years uh, it goes to their head they get a bit of a swagger as, as Brendan Rodgers with that great quote you know a couple of weeks ago was talking about you know and they get the Louis Vuitton bags and they swagger yeah. out here and they think they're players I mean that's so far from what you know from Kieran Tierney and he's out in his black boots you see the training yeah. pictures and video yeah. he's got his short sleeve shirt everyone else is wrapped up but him and Bruni are just yeah. you know it just it's a, a, a throwback definitely, Can, definitely speaking adds. of throwbacks do you think he could be a self for life in the mould of Paul McStay Billy McNeil Danny McGrain can you see despite all you know, 17 scouts up to watch him him and Dembele can you see him being there for, for his career no, I don't. Because, Why? Well, I just think that eventually, I mean, when you look at it, he's only 20 and you look at what he's now achieved, uh, you know, Celtic, I mean, he's part of that history-making team last season. They win a treble without losing a game. I think in Europe, you know, they, he could hang around for another three or four years and have another four cracks at the Champions League. But we, you know, last night just illustrated again, it was just a reminder of how difficult it is. And I think eventually, I think eventually, I mean, if... I mean, he's signed this new six-year contract, so if you think he has another four or five cracks at the Champions League and picking up a few titles here, I think there'll come a point when he'll want to test himself. See, see I disagree. I think he'll be there. If it was up solely down to him, mm-hmm. which invariably it isn't, but if it's solely down to him, I think he would want to stay for the rest. I just think he's just, he's just Celtic and that's it. Yeah. A bit like Scott Brown. A no. bit. Yeah, well, but Scott Brown's had a move, hasn't he? But I just think that's all he's interested in. Yeah. I really, but of course, it's not always just down to the, the player. And the Celtic board might receive a thirty yeah. million pound offer. Yeah. Different story, okay, perhaps. Yeah. No, I mean I know Scott Brown's had his move story. What I meant was just in terms of like once he got to Celtic and winning leagues there, and people argued that he should go and try himself in the English Premier League. You know, he opted not to. Yeah, of course. Know, um, no, well. He's starting younger as well, isn't he? I mean, he, yeah. I mean, he's already been in the team for a season, so I just think, I just think there'll come a point when he, he would want to, because he can do everything he wants to do at Celtic, you know, and then go on 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, 17 scouts, mm-hmm. as we know, Craig Swan wrote a story in the yeah. Daily Record exclusive uh, a couple of days ago that everyone jumped on. Spurs, according to reports down south, uh, Mark Ogden of ESPN being one of them, states that Spurs have jumped to the front of the queue for Tierney. Now, we're, no one's saying that he's he's going anytime soon, mm-hmm. but speaking theoretically, generally, if he's going to go, are Spurs big enough a club for him? Can he not aim higher, despite them being a, a Champions League side? Are we more talking about a Manchester well, United? I mean, or I what, Spurs, how Spurs, I? Spurs are, I mean... Spurs are now regarding uh, regarded as certainly right now uh, as being. I mean, how, how much bigger are Man U? And my, I mean, well, Man U are a super club, aren't they? I don't think Tottenham are there yet. Yeah. Okay. But in terms of potential, and right now, you know, if you had the chance to go to the Engl- English Premier League, I mean, Spurs are one of these teams that are going to be kind of knocking on the door. Um, are they big enough? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think I think if he's, I, I would lump Man U. Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, and I think Spurs are just kind of moving into that sort of bracket. Yeah, okay. Now, of course, our man Chris Sutton on TV repeated what he wrote in his column from, was it a week ago or so? Recently yes. about Tierney being the best British born fullback. Yeah. Discuss. Who can rival him? I think he's. I think he's probably right in what he's saying and I think we have this habit of talking down you know our own players and that's why if I mean he's, as you say he's not going to go anytime soon because he's just signed this you know long term contract but I mean when he does eventually go that's why Celtic should be looking for you know 30s 40 million pound because we'll look at Virgil van Dijk it's a prime example look at Wanyama Fraser Forster guys like that going for what at the time we are thinking is big fees, but I mean, when you look at what they splash out down there, I think Chris Sutton mentioned himself, didn't he? Luke Shaw, £30 million. He's, he's better than Luke Shaw. Uh, Kyle Walker went for, what did we say, £50 million. Um, he's maybe not quite on a par with it. He's not, maybe not quite at that level yet, but certainly you would be looking at more than 30 if not quite 50 Right. He... May well be worth worth that. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, I'm starting to invent new words here. But when has a player ever left Scotland for England for that kind of price? I mean, Charlie Adam is an example. He left mm-hmm. Rangers for five hundred grand or something. Yeah. He then went to Liverpool a few a season or so later mm-hmm. for best part of ten million, eight million, something like that. Yeah. So is that not a, a same with Wanyama? They go south for a, yeah. for a good fee. Yeah, yeah. A good fee, but. Do our English Premier League clubs not saying, "Well, I like I like him." Yeah. I'm talking about the top four side. I like Tierney, but I tell you what, I can't judge him on six games in the Champions League yeah. and against a lot of what they feel to be poorer sides of the Scottish Premiership. So what we'll do is we'll let him go to Southampton, a mid to bottom place side. We'll let him go there, and then we'll just weigh in for. And by the way, if it costs another twenty, thirty million, it doesn't matter because we've got that kind of fund. So, is it likely that? Tierney will go for 30 minutes, or do you think he could break the mould? I think he can break the mould because one, he is so special. Two, Celtic don't have to sell. Yeah, I think true. a lot of the time in the past, you know, it's been like that's what Celtic have been looking to do. Well, we'll get them in for 900 grand, and then and they're quite happy to say, oh, well, if somebody's going to offer 12 million, then we'll just take 12 because then that's a profit. 
here, you know, and and the other thing we have to probably factor in is with a lot of these, you know, a lot of those players, they came to Celtic being sold on the fact that oh well we'll let you go. So I think that 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 was kind of uh, a factor in it. Kieran Tierney isn't going to be in a rush to go anywhere. He is that good, and he's on a long term contract. So I think that's that that would force the clubs to really up the ante if they want them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just one final point mm-hmm. Point on Tierney. Uh, and it kind of lends itself to the best British-born fullback mm-hmm. argument from, from Sutton. Strachan played Andy Robertson a left-back yeah. in his natural position, yeah. which suggests that he believes Andy Robertson to be a better left-back yep. than Kieran Tierney. Yeah. Andy Robertson, of course, isn't playing for Liverpool. Yeah. Isn't starting in the Champions League. Yeah. It's not another Strachan kicking fest, but is this another example of, of an error? Absolutely. It, 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 you said it suggests that Andy Roberts, he thinks Andy Roberts is a better left back. That could be one way of looking at it. Or maybe Kieran Tierney. But he's not can a right play. back. No, no, he's, he's definitely not a right back. But Sorry, better but no, than I'm just, just playing devil's advocate yeah. there. Maybe, maybe he can you know, adapt better to the right side. I think that used to be the argument actually when Sandy Jarden and Danny McGreen, yeah. remember they used to switch them switch them around. It was because Danny McGreen was able to play on the right, whereas Sandy Jarden maybe wasn't. But anyway, your point stands that the best left back should be playing in a left back position and that's Kieran Tierney. Even if that means dropping Andy Robertson, which, as you say, because he's not been starting at Liverpool, I don't think is um such a, would be such a big deal anyway. So Kieran Tierney, I think she would. I don't think it's fair either. Um, I mean, obviously players always say this. Oh, I mean, I'll play anywhere I'm asked uh, to play, and and Kieran Tierney. But you just felt in the, the Slovakia home game there and the Slovenia away game that there were signs there that it wasn't looking that comfortable. I think when we when we beat Slovenia at home, everybody was saying, "Oh, this is great. We found the solution," and he, and he played he played well, but. There was going to come a point, I think, especially for somebody so young, where it was going to start affecting them, and I thought you could sense that. And then Brendan Rodgers said after the Aberdeen game, when he was outstanding last midweek, uh, just to kind of finish off his press conference, just a wee throwaway line saying, oh, maybe if Scotland played him at left-back, he might get some success there. So, yeah. um, But I think people are now starting to make these noises that he's so good in left-back that you play him there. I don't know whether you can maybe... Play Andy. If you insist on playing Andy Robertson, maybe, maybe you could play him one up. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you could play him one up. But if if the manager, if Malky McKay is, is now isn't a fa- doesn't fancy doing that, I think Tierney should play left back. And if that means dropping Robertson, then it means dropping Robertson. Yeah, and, and do you know what? If if I were Brendan Rodgers, I would really strongly counsel whoever the Scotland manager is against playing him out of position. So I, th- I think it can ruin someone's confidence. Totally. You know, and you just don't want to do that to the guy because he's just playing so well. Yeah, and even if he considers, I don't know, we've got this Holland friendly coming up. I mean, even if he considered playing him at the left side of centre back, as if that's maybe not quite as bad as playing him right back, I still don't. It's, it's still not his natural position. No. And I just think you, you're going to lose something. You just lose something from him by not playing him left back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, due tonight's performance, we saw of. What was really pleasing, in fact, we had McGregor, yeah. Forrest, yeah. Tierney, yeah. and there was another homegrown Scott in that team who was maybe not to the naked eye, but if you just scratched a wee bit beneath the surface, Scott Brown stood out 
again. Yeah, because all seems we always seem to come round to this debate, don't we? Kind of every now and again of you know just just how good is he? What what level is he at? You know, like people say, you know, you know, in the earlier Champions League games, you get a wee bit of criticism when it was like PSG and, and Bayern Munich away, probably a, a bit unfairly. But last night again, you see how just how much he makes Celtic tick. You know, he was the real standout in the middle of the park. Up against somebody like Arturo Vidal as well, obviously. 97% pass completion rate. Is that what he had? Yes. And he made a lot. He's made Yeah. 200... Now, this is my, I'm not always great with figures, but mm-hmm. something like 260 passes in the Champions League out of the, the four group games. Yeah. And 245 have been completed, which is okay. Some of them are going to be sideways, well, backways, but say. still. There was a call what, what's, the, what's the key thing? What's the key thing at this level? Possession. Keep the ball. Keep the ball. Keep the ball. I didn't know, because there was a columnist in one of our rival papers the other week. Uh, well, you didn't read that. <laughs> Criticising that uh, Scott Brown, I can't remember what game it was after now, but he was talk- actually was talking about those um, statistics. But it's seen them are killer passes. They're just always going to sideways. So maybe that's, the, maybe that's the other argument. Yeah, but, but I know it's not your argument, but mm. if you're Scott Brown, you win the ball, you pass it, to Forrest or yeah. whoever and he plays a killer pass so I, d- I don't really agree with that at all now Celtic of course have been eliminated from the Champions mm-hmm. League which is which is no surprise given the, the opposition the incredible elite level of opposition they faced Europa League are we I know you kind of touched on earlier on it's almost a given amongst fans and, and by the way a lot of media yeah. that they've got this Europa League place in the bag You've starting to worry me a little bit. Yeah. Well, it would be. Un- I mean, it would be really unlucky if. I mean, Anderlecht to just have been up and looked a poor side. Looked a poor side. Celtic showed them up, didn't they? Over in Brussels. I mean, it's going to take. A, it would be a freak result if they beat Bayern Munich. But well, in fact, even if they draw, I suppose even if they drew, then it would mean that they would just have to come to Parkhead and win. You know, I mean, you need them. You really need Bayern Munich to win because then. They're going to have to come to Glasgow and beat Celtic by more than three, which just not going to happen. That's not going no. to happen. So you just need to hope that they don't take something uh, from that Bayern game. But as I say, you just don't know. I mean, we had Carol Heinz Rubenegger talking about Lewandowski saying that if they'd been playing Real Madrid, he would have uh, come to Celtic Park and played because he was only a slight injury doubt. If there are any players like that who are maybe just nursing wee niggly injuries and they start to leave them out, you know, I suppose you just don't know. But it would be really unlucky, and they wouldn't deserve it. You'd have to say if they beat Celtic to third place. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. And and also Anderlecht, if Bayern put out an understrength team as they did Tuesday night, I can't see Anderlecht capitalising on it. I just don't see that they've got the fluidity, the movement, the. I just don't think no. they're a strong Celtic. No. Well, they were very poor in Belgium, weren't they? I mean. Uh, it, both sides actually were quite poor to start with, but Celtic, you know, quickly gained the upper hand. Although the only thing is that was a very weak that they'd sacked their manager, so there was real turmoil. Um, I don't know how much they've improved since then. I haven't seen them. I haven't seen the results. I don't know if they've picked how much they've picked up. Obviously, they got a bit of a thumping last night. Um, but you would still expect Bayern Munich to win it. Yeah, we yeah. hope. You uh, you listened to well, you watched Brendan Rodgers' press conference. You were in it last night. And he seemed really heartened by that performance and, and his quotes such as, 
now we're a proper we can be considered to be a proper Champions League team there's no embarrassment here we gave as good as we got it's given it seems to have given from the outside looking in it seems to have given him you know just uh, just a wee bit more impetus going ahead into Europa League I think he'll mean business yeah, and it will be. I would be really intrigued to see how they do against because obviously last season they had the Champions League campaign, really tough group, finished bottom. You know, and it would it would be good to to see them in the Europa League just to see how you know when they just drop down that level, yeah. just to see how well they can do because that that is where he's going to be judged. I mean, we we talk, we started this podcast talking about the atmosphere and how good the atmosphere was, and every time these games come around, you always have the opposition players, the opposition managers saying what a great atmosphere, and it is a great atmosphere. Um, but the record now, when you look at it against you know the big teams, and even if you take in the Europa League group stage, albeit that was under Ronnie Dial and Celtic were nowhere as strong as they are now. I mean. One win in nine home games in Champions League group and last 16, if you include that Juventus game under uh, Neil Lennon. And I think it's one win in 10 in group games, including the Europa League, where they have uh, one win in 10, sorry, yeah, in group games, including the Europa League and Champions League. I mean, it's not a great record. No, no we, keep, we keep going on about it. We keep going on about it. But I think, and I know Brendan Rodgers said at the start of the week that he doesn't need that marquee win that Martin O'Neill had against Juventus and Gordon Strachan had against Man United and Neil Lennon had against Barcelona. But you do think they need to start getting wins, you know. But it, it is difficult. I know it is difficult. The money the other teams are spending, but you do, they just need to start getting a few victories and the Europa League knockout stage would be a good test to see where they're at. Uh, it's fairer. It's just fairer. It is fairer. It's good. Yeah. Less of a, this massive financial disparity. Yeah. It's just a bit more... Although you, you, yeah, but you could get a draw right enough. I mean, depending well, on you the could draw. Get, you could yeah. get Arsenal who's still got yeah. you know, you know, many millions again, more. You, can, you, you could be really unlucky in the draw. But I do think this statistic has to be... You don't want to keep living on this past these games you keep harking back to these games you know and it's been a while now yeah. as much as they played well last night against Bayern Munich you know you know, the evidence in terms of actual victories isn't there no no it's not but sometimes you know you can manipulate statistics any way you want yeah. so, sometimes it's maybe just fairer isolating what has he done what have they done under Brendan Rodgers yeah. and then you have to factor in the level of opposition yeah. it's maybe unfair to bring in Ronnie Dialers given that they were just so poor Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a difficult question to ask and it's probably quite a facile question but how far could they go you don't know who they're going to draw if, if they get I mean, what's who which teams would you automatically go oh no no chance against them oh, yeah, let me think I'm trying to think who's in Europe um You've got well, Ar- Arsenal would be one of the hardest, but you've got a fancy that. I mean, they've had one good performance this season against Everton, and Everton are useless. Yeah. So you can, yeah, you can get a wee bit excited, but as I said, it's more their level, so they can. Yeah. Well, listen, are, are we mad to think they go back to another Seville? No, that's what I was going are to we say. Mad? No, no, I don't think we are. If you if you get a favourable draw, the way Celtic can play under Brendan Rodgers then um, I don't think there's any reason why they can't. And that, that's what... Look, let's be honest. If you're going to be spending the kind of money that Celtic are spending on Brendan Rodgers to bring him here, you know, a manager of that calibre, 
you know, and we spoke about the performance last night, you know, if they produce a performance like that, then there isn't any reason why they couldn't go to the final. Do you know even know where the final is this year? I checked out this morning just because I thought... Uh, Moscow? No, it's Leon. So there you go. Oh, Moscow's the district of Leon. <laughs> <laughs> No, I didn't know that. Uh, so, the so the Celtic fans will go, times, so yeah. what do they take to Seville? We can double it because it's easier to get to Leon. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> right. right, anyway, Gavin, never mind what you think, yeah. even though we've just spent 40 minutes seeing what you think, or even what I think, let's find out what I and Robin thinks about how far Celtic go, because you were speaking to him last night, and he's got some encouraging words for Celtic and Brendan Rodgers and the fans. You can read all about that tomorrow in print or on the website. Thanks for joining us.